0: Thank you, everyone. So we're recording and we're going to go for it. A few notices before we get started. We've got our Wednesday prayer group that's meeting this Wednesday on Zoom at eight o'clock. We've got communion today. Some people know it as toast day, apparently. But it's communion that we're going to (laughs) be taking today. And uh, just make sure you've got your elements ready, your bread and your wine. That would be really good if you can do that uh, for in a little while. And we've got the breakout rooms as well. That we'll have at the end of the service, uh, when we can stop and chat and uh, pray with others. Thank you. Psalm 51 verse 10 says this, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That's one of the main themes we'll be thinking about today. And even in our first song, we're thinking about our thoughts and our words that the Lord would help us to be blessings and encouragements to other people. So we're going to sing this song together now over all the earth and straight after it, Ian's going to come and do the reading for us.
1: 1 to 10 Uh, and it says the lord sent nathan to david and he came to him and said there were two men in one city the one rich and the other poor the rich man had a great many flocks and herds but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb which he brought and nourished bought and nourished and it grew up together with him and his children It would eat of his bread and drink of his cup and lie in his bosom uh, and was like a daughter to him. Now a traveller came to the rich man and he was unwilling to take from his own flock or his own herd to prepare for the wayfarer who had come to him. Rather, he took the poor man's ewe lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger burned greatly against the man and he said to Nathan, Nathan, as the Lord lives, surely the man who has done this deserves to die. He must make restitution for the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing and had no compassion. David then, uh, Nathan then said to David, You are this man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, It is I who anointed you king over Israel, and it is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. I also gave you your master's house, and your master's wives into your care, and I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had not, if that had been too little, I would have added to you many more things like these. Why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword, have taken his wife to be your wife, and have killed him with the sword of the sons of Ammon. Now therefore... The sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife.
2: Let's pray together. Ecclesiastes 1.9 says, What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun lord there are so many things that we don't know but you know we pray for our country for everyone living in the united kingdom please give us wisdom and revelation to know you better for those in authority over us we pray that they will have wisdom and revelation to know you better There is no authority except that which you have established. Will you help the Prime Minister and all those in government, all local leaders and anyone with any responsibility at all to lead and make decisions diligently with integrity and compassion. Let all egos and personal agendas be buried and ignored And instead, let your priorities rise to the top of everyone's list. We declare that you reign over the heavens and the earth. Amen. We pray for the scientists and those working to find a vaccine for COVID-19, that you will grant them success. And for your will to be done across the world as people look for answers in the light of the death and suffering that is caused by it. Lord, we don't know, but you know. Lord, we pray for clear communication and understanding of how to stay safe during this pandemic. Help us to do the right thing and set a good example to others in the way that we live, shining the light of Jesus wherever we go you have promised that you will never leave us. And we're so grateful you're the rock on which we stand. For those in higher tier levels across the country, for those in local lockdowns, and for all those facing uncertainty with stress and anxiety, we pray that you will bring breakthroughs and blessings according to your will and meet people in their time of need. Lord, we pray for the mental health of our nation, for those suffering in this way at the moment. We ask for your peace and healing to touch their lives and give them hope. Lord, we don't know, but you know more than all these things we pray that throughout this pandemic more and more people will turn to you and find you as their savior holy spirit flood this nation that their eyes would be open to their need for you and lead them on a one-way path to jesus lord we each name someone we'd love to come to know you personally May your saving grace cover them and bring them to a living personal relationship with you, the living God. Feel free to say that name of that person out loud now or just in your head. That's fine. And thank you, God, that because with you there are no limits, we shamelessly ask you to save another person that we know. Say another name. And another. And another. And thank you, God, that we could stay here and do that all day. And you would hear and answer our prayers. God, will you give us a real fervency for prayer for the lost? Amen. Lord, we thank you for answered prayers this week. Thank you that you have continued to be faithful to all of us, to Kath and Jeff, despite setbacks this week, to Sinjin and Yung-Chu, despite them being apart, to Paul's great nephew Edwin, thank you for his continued progress. We ask that your faithfulness and goodness and strength will surround and uphold us all today and that we'll leave tomorrow to worry about itself. Lord, we don't know, but you know. As we see the leaves on the trees changing colour and falling to the ground, Lord, we recognise that we don't know whereabouts in our life story we are. Some of us are pretty sure that we're not near the start, but none of us, however, have any idea how close to the end we are. But... As we can see the beauty of the autumn trees, with their many different colours and shapes and sizes, help us to know that whether we're the oldest or the youngest, the biggest or the smallest, no matter what happened to us yesterday and what will happen tomorrow, we are your precious children, dearly loved and given a purpose to serve you psalm 147 verse 5 says great is our lord and mighty in power his understanding has no limit lord we don't know but you know amen
0: All glory to the King of Ages. Oh glory to the King of Ages. All glory to the
3: King of Ages. All glory to the King of Ages. my darkness I found the truth It's mystery, mystery.
0: can cling to you wherever we are in our lives lord we cling to you knowing that you're with us and that you're the same yesterday today and forever we do thank you lord for that love for us that you show so strongly and forcefully in our lives and gently as well thank you lord amen Amen so we're going to listen to nick on video just now and as you all know we're continuing our service our series on the great prayers of the bible and remember just prayer are conversations with god nick has a phrase and it's from the bible of course at the times kings went to war now nick mentions it twice in one in both talks but he says it's from isaiah We know it's not quite from Isaiah. It's a few books in advance of that. It's 2 Samuel chapter 11. But Nick had already recorded it. And so didn't want, didn't have the time to re-record it. So when he says it's from Isaiah, yeah, like Nick says, you can do that if you like. But just remember, it's not Isaiah. It's 2 Samuel 11 and he couldn't re-record it. He didn't get the time. Let's listen to Nick.
4: Psalm 51, one of the most well-known psalms in the scripture. As we said last week, context is everything. And before we look at the psalm, we need to look at the context. A lot of that is given us in the reading, where we see Nathan the prophet coming rebuking David. And this is a good place to remind ourselves that we're not followers of many of the personalities in the Bible. We're followers of Jesus. And this is a, one of the most graphic examples in the Bible of leaders going astray. And we see it many, many times today in the news, in our personal experiences of people. We're not followers of other people. We're not followers of other leaders. We're not followers of even great personalities of the scripture. We're followers of Jesus. Let's bear that in mind. But when we read about some of the failures in the news today, and when we read about some of the failures in the Old Testament and the New Testament, let's remind ourselves that we're all just human beings. We're struggling with our inadequacies, and we need God's grace to carry us through. This is not to excuse things but it is to understand them. So, David and this in context. Uh, John's going to uh, remind me again of the uh, same "Things soon as quickly as you possibly can. So this is going to be the life of David in hopefully 90 seconds. Okay, so you can divide David's life up into quite easy to understand and identify sections. The first one is is obviously his uh, youth as a shepherd, and he comes into contact contact with King Saul and joins the household of Saul. You can find in the scriptures how this happened. Then there's a second very distinct stage where he becomes a threat to Saul, and Saul plots to kill him, and he runs away, and he has quite a long period as a renegade when he's hiding in the deserts and uh, hill and mountainous areas, very, very rocky, very hilly mountainous areas of that part of uh, the world. And he writes many of his well-known psalms in this stage of his life. Uh, There's a rebellion effectively against Saul and we enter into the third stage of his life when he becomes king. There's a short period where he extends the kingdom, and then there's quite a long period where he rules as a very successful and unchallenged and very powerful king. Then we come to the next stage of his life, which we can divide into two, really, which is as he begins to lose grip, basically, Uh, he starts to be challenged, mainly by his own sons, and has to, on one occasion, run away, and then come back, and is his still the undisputed leader and undisputed king, but obviously hasn't got the power and authority he had before. And he starts to slip into old age and becomes really quite recluse towards the end of his life before he dies. So those are the stages of his life. This Psalm 51 is written after the event that happened really at the peak of his power we could possibly see it as the changeover between when he was at the peak and uh, ruling well and starts to slip into being uh, not quite so effective and maybe not quite the place he should be. There's a very interesting statement in Isaiah when it says, at the time the kings went to war, David stayed behind. You can look that up. Uh, it's an unquestionable statement that uh, David was leaving his ruling to his generals and his leaders while he stayed behind. And it was in that place of staying behind where he possibly should have been uh, at the war with uh, his, his leaders and he passed the responsibility on to others that he goes to the roof of his house or his palace and looks down over the area and sees Bathsheba bathing on the roof of her house. Now, that to us seems uh, a bit unlikely. Don't think of someone standing in the top of the uh, skyscraper in London, looking over London with a pair of binoculars. Uh, This this is a a fairly small area, and it's not that difficult to see over most of the rooftops from that place. And if you go to Jerusalem today, there is... uh, a what they give you is the palace of David, probably was, and, and you can stand there yourself and you can look over the area and see exactly what was going on. Now, whether Bathsheba was playing the croquette or not is something theologians have talked about and we simply don't know. And It's perhaps not right or unfair to make any suggestions. What did happen without question was that David Uh, brought Bathsheba, who was the wife of Uriah, one of his generals or leaders, um, into his household and uh, she became pregnant. And David sent Uriah into the, he sent orders to his generals and sent Uriah into the very thick of the battle and instructions were given that they should withdraw and leave Uriah there so that he was struck down and died. Uh, this was after other deceptions, which you can read for, your, for yourself in, in the, the accounts. Uh, so, David then has effectively killed Uriah, taken his wife, and um, given orders to cover all this up. He was obviously pretty powerful to be able to do that. And you have to look at the courage of Nathan the prophet who comes before David, and and obviously people know about this, this is not something that's hidden, clearly David was doing it quite openly. And Nathan finds a way of challenging David with this story. Uh, And there's this this, this poignant moment when David becomes enraged at the uh, unfairness of the man in the story and says, who is this man? He should be brought forward and severely punished and and put to death even. And Nathan says to David, I I still remember it in King James Version, thou art the man, it's you, you've done this. And then David realizes that the game is up and that he has to uh, sort this out somehow. You can read the rest of the account in in Kings. What happens is that David goes and writes Psalm 51. Now, how long he took before he wrote it, I don't know, but it's very clearly uh, written to address this issue. If you open your modern Bibles, you we'll find there's often headings put in in passages to make those headings easier to read. Uh, These are put in by today's editors. They're not part of the scripture, although they can be quite helpful, but they are put in by modern uh, editors. If you look at the Psalms, at the top of the Psalms, there are little instructions or little descriptions. Now, some translations don't put these in. I think early King James didn't put them in, which was a pity. Uh, because they are part of the scripture, and they're very instructive in many different ways. And the heading of Psalm 51, which we'll look at in a minute, is put there as the heading of the psalm. So there's no question of doubt about what this psalm is about. So that's the context. And now in the next little section, we will go and look at the psalm itself. Thank you. that it is a psalm, it's a poem. The interesting thing is in the line, the top line that we talked about, which is the description of the psalm, it says to the choir master. So it's a song. The second thing to note is that as many, many of these psalms, there is a lot of repetition. So a statement is made, which is then followed by a repeating of that statement. So we don't necessarily want to read too much theology into these repetitions. It's not necessarily saying this is a very strong point, as we might do in English. Um, It's more the shape of the poem. It's more the shape of the, the thoughts. This form of Hebrew poetry, which is the Psalms, didn't depend upon the rhyming of the language, as many of our poems would. It depends more on the flowing of the thought. So let's just read it through. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, lot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth and in inward being and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressions your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltless, O God, O God of my salvation and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise for you will not delight in sacrifice or I will give it and you will not be pleased with burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contract heart of God you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure and build on the walls of Jerusalem and then will you delight in right sacrifice and then in burnt offerings and in whole burnt offerings then bulls will be offered to you on the altar. So the heading that is, is given to head this psalm to the choir master, that's in the scripture. A psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him, and he had gone into Bathsheba. So, as I just pointed out, it says to the choir master. So it's a a song, a poetic song, that is clearly sung. Now, there's a relevance in that to us. This was public. This was not a private confession that David made quietly in a corner. He made a public confession of his sin. He made a public confession of his wrongdoing. So here's the first key to us in understanding repentance and forgiveness. There's a public declaration side to it. It's not just something that is done in secret, it's something that's done before God and before the community. The other thing we should take From this psalm, if only one thing we should take from this psalm. This is following the most heinous of behavior. It would not be unfair to say that the word tyrant uh, describes David at this moment of his his life and ruling. He's behaved in a way that is uh, as bad as anything you could think of, and any ruler you've ever seen to pull. Uh, a defenseless person whether or not she was involved or not is a moot point but to then murder her husband and to try and cover that murder up and then to uh, continue the way he did as if he had a right to do it uh, it, it's, it's pretty fearful but here's the message for us there is no sin that is that heinous that God won't forgive there's no sin that is that bad that God won't forgive. And you've got the lot here. It, it's very difficult to think of. Well, you can make a list of the most heinous crimes and sins you can think of, and David's committed them all. And yet he comes to God in confidence that God will forgive him. How much more should we? There's a little sting in that comment that if God can forgive this sin? How much more can you forgive yours? And how much more willing should we be to come to God with our sins? Because uh, despite the fact that we might be a motley lot, I'm pretty confident no one's done what David's done. But he was forgiven. And that almost is the most important point about this psalm. Books have been written on this psalm. Books and books and encyclopedias have been written on this psalm. So we're not going to cover this in a couple of minutes. So let's just take two main points from it. From here. Number one, it was a public confession. Number two, it was forgiven. It was a forgiveness. God forgave him because of his contrite heart, as he says. The second thing, then, let's just work through this and compare some of the statements in here with what we see in the Lord's Prayer, so we can see how the Lord's Prayer teaches us to pray and covers all aspects, including prayers like this one. We remember in the Lord's Prayer it starts, our Father who is in heaven, we, we, we look at who God is and the nature of God, and that's how David starts this psalm, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, and to your abundant mercy. So he, he knows the God to whom he's praying and he worships God with those qualities and since this is to whom he's praying. Then in, in the Lord's Prayer, the next thing is to look at thy kingdom come, It's to look at God's will from God's nature. And as we read through this psalm, this isn't a prayer in which David is asking God for God's will to be done, but it is a as a prayer in which David is asking God and looking at God's uh if you like values and what God is going to do and declaring that they are just and so he he's trying to to live within God's will not change God's will but declare that what God does is fair and just so let's read read it through those those thoughts and have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. So, who is God? Then the last part of the Lord's Prayer is, forgive us our sins. And here we've got, blot out my transgression. So who is David looking to, to blot out his transgression? God. Is he looking to blot out anything? No. He's looking to God. And at the end of the psalm. He finishes with, uh, You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it, but you are pleased with a contrite heart. So it's a psalm again which is looking at faith. David is saved here by his faith. He's saying, Sacrifices aren't good enough. Whatever I can do isn't going to be good enough. I just have to trust in God's steadfast love, in God's abundant ministry. That's what I'm trusting in, for God to blot out my transgression. So again the same theology as the Lord's prayer. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. So he's trusting in God, for I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgments. So there's two points in the Lord's prayer. So that you may be justified in your words. And blameless in your judgment. Thy kingdom come. He's going back to God's word is righteous. And this bit, against you only have I sinned. He brings up human sin, his sin. Uh, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. This looking at sin in the Lord's Prayer. David is looking at sin in this prayer. Behold, you delight in truth and in the inward being. And you teach me wisdom in the secret heart, purge me with hyssop and I should be clean, wash me and I should be whiter than snow. Again, poetic repetition, but we're coming back to this point that it's God who is cleansing him. Who cleanses him with hyssop? God. Is he relying upon um, his work, anything he can do? No. He's relying upon God to cleanse him as he repents and asks forgiveness of his sin. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. So who's doing the hiding? God is hiding his face. Who's blotting out the iniquities? God is blotting out the iniquities. Creating me a clean heart of God and renew a right spirit within me. So come back to the Lord's Prayer forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, and leave us not in a temptation. He's asking for a right heart, a right spirit, a right attitude. And then we come to this verse, which I think is uh, probably the one that the whole thing swings around for me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. So he's not only asking to be forgiven, He's asking to be restored, both in service and uphold uphold me with a willing spirit, but also in joy. And remember, we said that this was probably a part of David's life where he was beginning to waver. Uh, His attitude to his kingship is becoming a little bit different. Uh, Isaiah points this out when he says at the time that uh, kings went to war, Um, so right, okay that's enough for now I think we'll leave it to you to read it and to look at it um, to meditate upon it let it speak to you and just have confidence in God's willingness to forgive God's desire to forgive and that that forgiveness comes from God alone, you don't earn it It's his gift. And the final point of this, to restore the joy of salvation and to bring us to a willing spirit.
0: Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And so we're going to take communion together now. And we know it's all about totally relying on God for his forgiveness and his restoration for us. But it's also about us totally forgiving other people as well. So as we take communion together, let's thank him that he is restoring us and he has restored us. So let's take the bread together and say, thank you, Lord, for the restoration you've made in our lives. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. And we know it's his blood that he shed for us that has the power to change us, isn't it? That we can say thank you, Lord, for the healing that comes through your sacrifice the changes you've made in our lives through your sacrifice so again let's just take the wine and say thank you lord what a tremendous thing you've done for us all it'd be a good opportunity if you want to take yourself off mute and just say a few short words in a prayer just to say thank you lord You've saved me. You've forgiven me. You've restored me. So maybe a few of us can do that. Take yourself off mute and then give a short prayer of thanks to God. I thank you, Lord, for everything that you have done in my life, that you are with me at
2: all times. Amen. Thank you, Lord, that you're the only one that can take away our sin and restore us and give us the joy of your salvation. And we thank you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Thank you, Lord, that you have uh, delivered us out of darkness the powers of darkness and thank you that you continue to do that lord you continue to shape us and mold us into the personal people you want us to be we give you thanks for this amen Amen.
2: thank you lord that you are the same yesterday at the times of david today and and tomorrow and forever you're the forgiving god to everyone who comes to you and confesses to you lord Your throne room is always open to accept us and receive us and forgive us.
1: Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you, Lord, that your sacrifice for us has made a difference for us because we know we're going to go to heaven and that's brilliant. But, Lord, we know that if you hadn't made that sacrifice, we wouldn't have been able to go. But also, we'd have hated heaven because it would have been all about you. But, Lord, it's, you've changed us and made us want to think about you and make you the centre of our lives. And thank you, Lord, as well. It's, your sacrifice has made such a difference in our lives today that you have made us different people, new creations, Lord. Lord, sometimes it's easy to think about terrible people in this country and other countries But, Lord, we know that our sins are as bad as anyone that's done anything bad in the world. And that's everyone. So, Lord, thank you that your power to save is as strong for each of us in the terrible things we've thought and we've done as it is to anyone else that we look at as really bad people. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness and your restoration for us, Lord. We praise you and thank you. Amen. Amen. So we're going to sing, I, I cast my mind to Calvary.
3: drenched in tears they laid him down i
0: to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me so we can finish with joy can't we knowing that we can be changed people we don't have to be tethered down and held down from our past sins but just as we know that the lord forgave david's badness and sinfulness So we know we can be changed. We can be people that show the love of God to other people. Silent cheer from me, because that's what you're doing. I bet you're giving silent cheers to God and thankful that he is doing great things in us. We're going to do one more song and that's going to be Everyone Needs Compassion.
3: Everyone needs compassion The bond that's never anything Let mercy fall on me Everyone needs forgiveness Kindness of the Savior. The hope. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine the light on, let the whole world sing. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Saviour, He can move the mountains. Amen. God is mighty to save. Mighty to save forever. More for full our salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave.
0: Oh, yes. Thank you, Lord, that you are mighty to save. You can change our hearts You can change our stony hearts to hearts of flesh. Lord, even today, we ask that our stony hearts would be changed. Make us more like you. Help us, Lord, to be ready to be forgiven by you and ready to forgive others. Help us, Lord, to be ready to be restored to the way you want us to be. Lord, we thank you for what we've heard today. And Lord, we thank you that you give us a skip in our step not just through words, but through your living word, Lord. And we are so thankful. Amen.
2: Amen.